Hello, my little strangelings. On this podcast, I discuss the world's folklore, myths, legends, and superstitions. I explore what these stories meant to the cultures that shared them, the different uses of lore in our modern-day entertainment, and the history of it all. Welcome to Folklore Friday. Have you ever heard the phrase, step on a crack, break your mother's back? This was definitely something I heard and said as a child. Even when the other kids and I would question it, that won't really happen. You won't really break your mom's back, right? It was still something that was fun to say and a fun game to see if you could walk the entire length of the sidewalk without stepping on a crack. This is something in the category of playground lore, meaning lore or superstition that is said and shared among children. There have been multiple versions of this saying and it has changed over the years. There's another version that warned children that bears would eat them. Step on a crack and you'll be a bear's snack. Another is, step on a line and you'll break your mother's spine. Step on a hole, break your mother's sugar bowl. Step on a nail, and you'll put your dad in jail. (laughs) The implication is, if a child steps out of line, violence will come to them or one of their parents. One could say that the idea behind this game is enforcing societal views, that bad behavior of children reflects poorly on the parents, implying that those children act the way they do because their parents did not teach them better. Even our judiciary system does not try children under the age of 18 as adults further enforcing that minors are not fully accountable or responsible for their actions until they turn 18. With that in mind, is it possible that this game and phrase said by children is teaching them early on that their bad behavior affects their parents and ultimately others around them? Or is it just a silly thing kids sometimes say to scare each other or play a game? Tell me, what do you think? Now back to your regularly scheduled program. Hello, strangelings. Just a little housekeeping before I get the episode started. I want to say I'm excited to be back and I've got some fun plans for season two. Hopefully I'll be able to put out an episode every week and I really want to get more more listeners involved because I know you're out there. I can see the numbers and they're popping up in all sorts of different countries. And so message me, talk to me. I want to know the things that you want to hear about. I got a text today asking me about Medusa and I was like, hells yeah. 
I don't know that much about her, except she had snakes for hair. So going to be researching that. So I want a little bit more engagement. On that note, I hate asking for reviews. I hate it. If you haven't noticed, I don't do it that much. (laughs) But now, after a year of having the podcast, I can count on one hand the number of reviews I've had. (laughs) Do you know how painful that is to hear myself say out loud? (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) But yeah, I desperately need them. And to those who have left me some already, I super, super appreciate it. And if you're anything like me, you're just bad. You're bad at leaving reviews. I'll tell you what. I listen to about five different podcasts and I love all of them. I've never reviewed a single one. Isn't that messed up? But they're all actually doing really well and have money and stuff like that. I don't, people. Okay, so I'm going to do it with you. All right. So, so you click on your Apple Podcasts. And I'm going to go to a podcast that I like called Guide to the Unknown. Just a little free publicity for them. All right. Okay. So it opens up, says Guide to the Unknown, trailer episodes. You scroll down, pass the episodes, and then it's like, boom, ratings and reviews. And then underneath the first review, the the latest review that pops up, there'll be a little purple icon that will say, write a review. I'm going to click on that. Hmm, do I want, and I can give five stars, absolutely. Title it, Easy Listening. Okay, these two are so fun. Keep up the good work. And send. Thanks for your feedback, and now I'm done. Okay, so that's super easy. And if you want, you don't even have to write something. You can just go and give however many stars you think I deserve. So again, yeah. The whole reason I do this is so that people can hear it. I put time, effort, and money. People that say podcasting is free, those people are liars, not the good ones. It costs money. The whole reason I do this is so that people can hear it and they can be entertained and I can hear what they want to learn about. So reviews really help me out because they bring me up in a search engine so more people can find it. So if you want to leave me a review, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much. Hello, Strangelings. Welcome to season two. I'm your host, Megan, and today I'm joined by my husband, Chris. Hello, everyone. I had a good break, but as many breaks often tend to do, life happened in the middle. So the time kept getting away from me. I was like, oh my gosh, it's almost June. So I'm recording finally, and I am happy to be back recording. Hell yeah. (laughs) Okay, so today we're going to be talking about supernatural storytelling. I'm not sure if that's going to be the title, either supernatural or paranormal. But why I can't decide is because we're going to be talking about everything under the umbrella of strange, supernatural, paranormal, yada, 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 and talk about the differences. And honestly, supernatural and paranormal, I thought they were the same thing. And even though the definitions are different, they're portrayed as the same thing i would say in a lot of entertainment what about you yeah i mean they often get mixed in and they're pretty close so until you start getting into the actual hard definitions of them then you go oh okay yeah i guess i can see the difference there yeah because when i think when when i think supernatural i think all different kinds of monsters and demons and anything spiritual when i think paranormal i only think ghosts (laughs) yeah that's usually where i go with it too 
like paranormal investigations and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was pretty much what I understood before I did the research. So let's talk about it. Okay. According to the Oxford Dictionary, a manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. So in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the supernatural definition is of or relating to an order of existence beyond the visible, observable universe. Mm -hmm. Especially of or relating to God or a God, demigod, spirit, or devil. (laughs) And... This I found on masterclass.com of what is supernatural fiction. And it says the supernatural genre incorporates elements that cannot be understood by science and operate outside the rules of the real world. Supernatural fiction normally concerns itself. (laughs) Supernatural fiction normally concerns itself with matters of God, the soul, archangels and resurrection. Subgenres include supernatural horror fiction, i.e. the work of H.P. Lovecraft um, gothic, i.e. Frankenstein, ghost stories, supernatural thrillers, and other macabre stories in the horror genre. So, you can see how it all kind of mixes together. But this is stating that supernatural is a bit more limited than what I thought. But when you just look at the definition of supernatural, but this is saying supernatural fiction can incorporate a lot of different things. Continuing from the website masterclass.com. The paranormal genre of literary fiction includes beings and phenomena that are outside the realm of normal scientific understanding of the natural world. Though the paranormal genre may include supernatural list elements, this fiction genre generally includes creatures that have been popularized by folklore, fairy tales, and popular culture, such as fairies, aliens, shapeshifters, and the undead. So this, so this makes me think it's like flip-flopped. I think paranormal, I think just ghosts. But when I think supernatural, I think everything it just stated, but it's actually right. flip-flopped. So continuing on, subgenres that fall into the paranormal fiction category include paranormal romance, urban fantasy, fantasy romance novels, and paranormal fantasy. The paranormal romance genre has yielded many New York Times bestselling hardcovers and audiobooks in recent years, which storylines around young adults and high school age main characters who fall in love with a paranormal creature. Okay, and some examples would include the Twilight series, um, Moon Called by Patricia Briggs. Oh my God, I've read all of those. Oh, they're so freaking good. Interview with the Vampire, that one's famous. Ooh, by Anne Rice. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just reading off ones Bram that Stoker's I know. Dracula. It's anything that has to do with vampire, apparently. Yeah, A Discovery of Witches, Vampires, and Witches. <laughs> the Hollow series, I don't know what that is, but... I've discovered anything titled The Hollow or has The Hollow in it is worth checking out because it's usually paranormal. The Mortal Instruments. Okay, so this included examples of fantasy. Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines! That's what I was thinking. Okay, going back. Okay, so this kind of lopped in fantasy together with paranormal, but here's the difference. 
There is some debate in the literary world about whether or not high fantasy fiction, dark fantasy, and other contemporary fantasy genres fall in the supernatural or paranormal category. Though popular fantasy novels and fantasy series like J.R.R. Tolkien's, I didn't know it was R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings and J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter may include supernatural creatures and elements of the paranormal. Fantasy books are generally considered to be their own distinct genre. Okay. And the reason for that is... Okay, from what I can understand, supernatural and paranormal exist within our world. It's like everything that you know now, our world, but then add in a vampire or add in a witch or add in blah, blah, blah. But fantasy exist in a world outside of our world right so harry potter still manages to get outside of our world i, I guess think so. it's because they have their own the, secret the world. wizarding world is not really a thing but it's it, but if yeah. you maybe just had some person who does magic in the normal world does that then not make it fantasy yes so like charmed would be par- it would be paranormal paranormal I guess. Because they exist in our world. But it's really easy to think of examples like Lord of the Rings or, oh, come on. What are some other fantasy stuff? Oh, I can't think of anything. That that new show that we just started watching that you like, Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone. Mm-hmm. It's like a world that does not exist a in our world. Sort of made up world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that actually helped me kind of distinguish the two of them. Okay, okay. And I don't normally like what Wikipedia says, but I really like the wording. It says in the difference of definitions, the supernatural genre highlights supernatural creatures or happenings within the real world. Moreover, supernatural fiction also tends to focus on suspense and mystery and less on action and adventure. Fantasy usually takes place in another world where fantastical creatures or magic are normal. Labyrinth. The Labyrinth. Legend. Um, yes. Maleficent. So awesome. Ooh, ooh, legend. Yeah, Tom Cruise. I haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> it only came out a little while ago. Oh my gosh, like 20 years, 30 oh, more years? Than that. <laughs> yeah, 30 or 40 maybe. Even Let's look it up. 1985, almost 40. I told you. Before I was wild. Before I was born. So hopefully, Strangelings, that answers your questions. But yeah, you can see how it can all get mixed together. But the biggest difference, I would say, is between fantasy and everything else. (laughs) Right. And I would say for the most part, you're zeroing in on paranormal stuff. Correct. Where we thought maybe it was supernatural that you were focusing in on. Moreover. It's paranormal. Paranormal. And I think the thing that messes me up is, one... The show Supernatural, everything. Right. And then shows like Paranormal Investigations, Paranormal Investigator, right. Mostly Hunt, Ghosts. Ghost. So turns out they're wrong. <laughs> but yeah, they're the ones messing me up. They always feel as far as, <laughs> you know, movies and TV, using them, Supernatural and Paranormal usually feel pretty interchangeable. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it, to say that it's Supernatural and it just goes beyond the rules of science can encompass a lot of things still yeah but uh, calling it paranormal seems to maybe focus in on it a little bit more and saying like no it's these folklore things in particular yeah that Mm -hmm. we're seeing yeah that makes so supernatural maybe also is saying the around those same kinds of things a little bit 
Because it's saying anything outside of science. Yeah, it hasn't outside, been proven. Yeah, you can't scientifically explain this, and it seems beyond the laws of nature. Oh, okay. So, like, like the show Fringe or Fringe Science. Yeah. Possibly. But then when you zero in on it, like, monsters, magic, yeah. Param- paranormal. Those are paranormal. Okay. Actually, that helped me Which still kind of end up in those... So science fiction type things would hit a lot of supernatural mm-hmm. stuff, but sometimes they like to be like, and then this monster exists. Oh, yeah. And we didn't even talk about sci-fi. Okay, so sci-fi, you explain it. I don't actually have a definition, but the difference is things that could maybe possibly exist within science. If right. You think of... Within the realm of scientific possibilities, right. but yet have not been yet discovered or proven or you know a lot of quantum theory mm-hmm. any time travel thing is potentially possible maybe because we've thought about it scientifically but nothing's been proven behind yeah. that so that's this science fiction thing most space traveling type things or way in the future star trek right. it star all Wars. has this potential to exist because science says that it's possible but we've definitely not gotten there yet yeah, so that's the big difference. Sci-fi, obviously, science, fiction, supernatural, paranormal, mm, a little magic. and Yeah, beyond cryptids. any kind of scientific explanation because it just defies the laws of nature. Yeah, yeah. But science fiction is saying, yeah, possible, but we haven't actually worked it out quite yet. Yeah. So now I'm going to discuss a little bit about history of supernatural, specifically when it pertains to folklore and super superstition. First off, it serves a purpose. It wasn't just this small-minded thing that people thought up to scare their children. Most of folklore and superstition comes from a time where they didn't have scientific understanding and they didn't have medical knowledge. So the way your body decayed or the moon or things that happen at night that people didn't understand because they didn't have that understanding of what was actually going on. This is what they figured out was going on. And this was their explanation of it. Exactly. Yeah. They believed it to be true because this is what they worked out. Mm -hmm. And it was, and that was a good thing because it gave them an answer where there otherwise wasn't one. The example that I use a lot is the idea of changeling children. It's this concept that a fairy would come and take your kid in the middle of the night and replace it with this human-like child, but wasn't because it was created out of magic. And the symptoms that they say that these children had, they wouldn't look you in the eyes, they didn't like being hugged, and they had large appetites, and they didn't like socializing with the other children, so like kind of toddler age. So a lot of modern-day psychologists and historians say, those kids were probably autistic. And these stories go back so, so far. I'm not even to get into anti-vaxxing, but here's a good example of this existed long before it had a diagnosis. And these stories offered these families that were just confused an explanation where there otherwise wasn't one. Well said. So, so that's an example of how folklore can serve a purpose. And it was probably beneficial to those families because they were like, oh, it's not my fault. This thing came in the middle of the night and took my baby. And now I care for this one. Okay. And then something Chris and I were talking about a while ago is people still have folkloric beliefs and superstition to this day, depending on what country or what culture. There's some people that are very heavily involved in superstition. Especially superstitious things. 
ask anybody that plays a sport <laughs> if they're superstitious at all or if they do anything to and make sure that they have good luck going in mm-hmm. to something like that it that's all superstition because there's no evidence that it's actually working or not uh, even though people might still say that they have evidence behind it because they won that game or something like that but still all superstitions behind it i mean even just those general big ones of walking under a ladder it's bad luck and all those different ways to get bad luck breaking a mirror and yeah, somehow these salt. these things just settle into people's brains and they then they're they've convinced themselves of it and so just take that and think about being told a story about how sticking a stake in a dead person and nailing them into the coffin was uh-huh. make sure that they don't become a vampire. It's easy to believe. Yeah, because, because you're it's just what you're taught. With it. You're taught with it. No one's telling you that that's not the right thing. Okay. So, as the world continued on and we learned how our bodies worked, how things happened that seemed magical, turned out to just be kind of a natural process, folklore became something that faded into the background and then became a part of entertainment. So... You can see examples of that in Shakespeare. What are some examples in Shakespeare besides... Okay, I can think of Hamlet. Midsummer Night's Dream. Midsummer Night's Dream. It's perfect. Puck. Yeah. Creatures show up. So in Hamlet, there's the ghost of his father. And then what's the one where they're on the eye? The Tempest. Tempest. Mm -hmm. Mm, Bunch of magic in The Tempest. Okay, in 1897, a book was written called Camilla, which actually came out before Dracula. And it is about a lesbian vampire. The story is narrated by a young woman preyed upon by a female vampire named Camilla. The novella notably never acknowledges homosexuality in an antagonistic trait, leaving it subtle and relatively unmentioned. Now, my opinion is if that was about two human lady loving ladies, it would not be accepted in the lady loving lady. <laughs> Did you like that? Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, homosexuality was outlawed in different areas during that time. So what made this sneak through to mainstream is because Camilla wasn't a human. She was a vampire. So what I find interesting about this is that they used these kind of folkloric beliefs as a way to talk about something that maybe they otherwise couldn't talk about. So maybe there were some closeted women who were like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Somebody feels this way. Yeah, and it's a vampire. And it's a vampire. It's even more sexy. That's what I should be as a vampire. (laughs) And thus the fascination started. So it's interesting to think about how vampires went from this thing of legends that was really scary to this thing that became maybe a little bit more relatable and there was a level of romanticism and we see the beginnings of that with stories like Camilla and Dracula and then later the same thing happened with witches we saw them starting out as villains and then they eventually became the protagonists so in that witches went from being villains to the woman next door uh, starting with shows like Bewitched which began in 1964 where there was a beloved witch as the main character in it, even though she had to keep her identity hidden as mm-hmm. a witch. Uh, she's still the, the titular character. Something similar to that I was thinking of was I Dream of Jeannie, and that started in 1965. So 
seem like these mid 60 things are starting this revolution of these folkloric ideas being these more upbeat kind of happy things that we can cover and talk about and it's all okay yeah it was like to be burned at the stake yeah or like i'll get you my pretty the right. wicked witch of the east now these ladies existed in suburbia and so it was a much more accepted thing and it was comfortable for people and then it went even more so witches began to be romanticized and then you know vampires had been romanticized since camilla and dracula and we've seen that become so much more mainstream in the past decade with things like twilight but then you can even see examples of you know twilight we've got vampires and werewolves but now even zombies have their own love stories with movies like foreign bodies and i'm sure there's more but that's the only one i can think of at the moment <laughs> i can't think of any other zombie zombie love story i mean i zombie kind of oh i zombies cute real more yeah. real people not just these crazy brains. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking, sentient, yeah, sentient creatures. Loving, intelligent people or monsters. That I also guess. needed to eat people. Yeah. <laughs> but they figured out. Or a way to uh, do it. the one with Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Zombie. Oh, the Santa Clarita diet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that show. Oh, heck. How did you forget that one? I don't know. Yeah, check that out, listeners, because that's on Netflix. Yeah, another suburban example. She's like a wife. She's a like real estate wife. That's like bewitched, but a <laughs> With zombie. With a zombie, oh my god. That's totally what that is. That's, that's exactly what it is. And it's a strong, like, magical or, you know, supernatural woman uh-huh. with like her human husband that's right. okay with her being this thing and supporting to man- her. Yeah, support it and manage it. It's actually. I'm trying to keep it secret, too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's very feminist. It's the same thing. Because all of those shows are are wonderfully feminist in the way that their husbands are accepting with their wives being these things. And oh, good example. Okay. So I want to know is now in the modern world, we know things like zombies and vampires and where else we know those things don't exist because we understand how do we do we? I hope they do. Yeah. But for the most part, they're no longer stories that terrify people. Now they're stories that are entertaining. So, Chris, in your opinion, why are these stories entertaining for people? Because we still hope they do. (laughs) Exist. We still hope they exist. We still want to grow up and be a vampire. That's why it's so romanticized, (laughs) being a vampire, that then it's not even like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't get attacked by a vampire. It's like, gosh, I hope I get turned so I can be a vampire and do these cool vampire things. I mean, that's what Twilight's all about is like, Mm -hmm. she's she's a, you know, spoiler alert if you, but on Twilight, that Bella eventually turns into a vampire and then... And now she's Jacob is this strong werewolf guy. And it's like, it's cool to be this thing. It's neat to be your, you have this power as an outsider. And that's what a lot of people are also looking for too, is that this, you're this outsider with these special abilities and you're different from everyone else, but that's a pretty cool thing to be. (laughs) Because you can still fit in society. 
but right. you have this this extra thing about you. And I think from the documentaries I've watched on these type of stories, people say that, especially for adolescents, they feel like they don't fit in. And yeah. so to see stories like this where people are existing in a society that looks like ours, but yet there's something unique and inherently different about them. They're like, I can relate to that. I know what that feels like. And so sometimes it's a lot easier for people to relate to. What I think is something that's really interesting about these types of stories is because it's interesting to see characters deal with human emotions, but there's also something that gives them a supernatural power. So everything is supercharged. So if you get jealous and it you and you have to kill people to live, if you get jealous of somebody, you're like, oh, I got to not kill that person. I got to fight my instinct to not kill them. And different things like that. Or if you have magical abilities and, and you get upset and you like murder five people around you. Yeah. That's like watch Blade. Uh-huh. Or read the Blade comics because that's why he's awesome with all those things that you said. And mm-hmm. you have to watch some Blade because he's dealing with that kind of like I'm this monster, but I'm a monster killer. And I have to battle this inner monster of mine with these powers that I, that I have behind it and that struggle that he has with himself about who he is. Mm-hmm. It's big on that. And then, I mean, that all just then turns into also not just vampires and werewolves and, but superhero movies are the same kind of thing. They fall into that same exact kind of storytelling of how do I have, how do I manage these these newfound abilities, these crazy things that are outside of the normal world and still exist and be who I am in the normal world. And mm-hmm. where does that balance happen? Yeah, because the decisions that someone that's just a regular Joe Schmo human have to make are probably a little bit different than someone that has these crazy abilities. Right. Whether they be superpowers or things that potentially make you a monster, like a vampire. Yeah. And that's why it's fun to watch it. Yeah. See where they go with it. And I like, I think that like vampires and werewolves are interesting because it's this idea that they are like human, but they're not. So they have to fight their very nature, which is what you were talking about right. with, with, with Blade. And a really good example that, that I like is the character Damon from The Vampire Diaries because he's such a good example because he is just merciless in the beginning. He's just like killing people left and right. Zero apologies. He doesn't feel obligated to live the human code because he's not human. And one of his one of his lines is, I kill people. It's in my nature. It's who I am. And so it's also interesting to see people not fall into that moral code because if you really think about it, they're like, well, I'm not human and so to see it's also interesting to see bad vampires and bad werewolves i could almost see dexter yes from the show dexter saying those saying that exact line yeah like this is who i am it's in my nature it's It's who who i am am. i think he might have said that (laughs) in one episode yeah (laughs) so i'm just gonna like aim it towards bad people (laughs) i mean that's what makes that it's a it's that gets to be in that same world of what we're doing with the supernatural and paranormal, but it's just a normal guy. Like he's fighting his inner monster. And that's just a great mm-hmm. way to tell a story. It's yeah. Just per- a person's inner battle with themselves and a nice, fun, 
then sometimes easy way to do it is be like, well, they're there's this thing that they're, they're struggling with that no one else thing. has. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're a vampire. They're a werewolf. Mm-hmm. They're whatever this thing is that they have to deal with. And let's see where that goes. And I think I like that storyline because you're taking someone that's for the most part like human and then you're giving them all these different powers. But having those powers or those abilities doesn't make your problems go away. And that in my opinion, is why that's interesting. Because you have still have to deal with all this shit. Right. Being jealous, wanting to be loved, wanting to fit in, blah, 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 blah. Like all of those things are still there. And I think that's a really, really good, I don't know, metaphor or what have you. Another example of why I like these stories in comparison to, say, true crime. True crime can kind of battle with the, go over the struggle that you were talking about with Dexter. It's, you get to see these stories of people that went there, that cracked, that completely lost their humanity and they gave in to their darker sides. I don't like stories like that. I get why people like them, but they scare me. (laughs) They are terrifying to me because there are things that really happen. And so when I watch true crime, I'm paranoid for the next week. I look at my neighbors like, that could be a killer. That that guy, that guy checking me out of the grocery store, who knows? And I don't like it. I like these stories because for the most part, they're not real. <laughs> Vampires, yeah. werewolves, things like that. As far as we know. As far as we know. Disclaimer, but, as far as we know. But I find it soothing in a weird way. I think I fell in love with the X-Files as a kid because I could think, oh man, I got shit going on in my life, but at least I don't have these problems. <laughs> At least I don't have some alien or I have to go under some conspiracy of the world, even though some people claim that that has happened to them. And I feel, feel for you. But I'm talking about the non-alien stuff. But yeah, I can't, like Chris said, we don't know. So I can't disprove spirits, werewolves, vampires, but I can sleep through the night if I watch something with those elements. Because you know, you're hoping that your neighbor isn't a vampire, but you're like, could he be a killer? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what I think. (laughs) Okay. And this is a quote from an article that I got that I'll, I'll post the link in the description. We like novelty, something that departs from our everyday experience. Some of the attraction of being scared comes from the deviation of having a new experience that we know is safe. Okay. I'm going to split that up into two parts. So first, when it says something that departs from our everyday experience, this is something that Chris and I have talked about is that Chris loves things that, I would say, fantasy, that's created this whole world and this whole yeah. universe. Yeah, science fiction will do that too with, you know, jumps into the future or space stories where they're like, this is this whole new world, this universe that's been created. You know, Star Wars kind of dances that line of being fantasy and science fiction because, you know, it's in a galaxy far, far away and it's creating this whole different new world. But could that exist, you know, scientifically? Yeah, probably, yeah, most part. So it, it's those types of things play in that that nice, beautiful place of, the new i like the new instead of what's already here and around me in my everyday life i don't need other people's versions of their everyday life i want to see this new amazing world that has all these new discoveries for me yeah a good example of that is 
<laughs> Sorry. This is before we were married, and I was at his apartment, and, like, my internet sucked, so he let me come over and use the internet, which is code for watch stuff. <laughs> so he got back from work, and I was watching Parenthood, which is, you know, kind of like a dramedy about being parents and this whole family and how they all work. And there was this scene where this couple who's getting divorced has this like emotional conversation. And Chris was like, I don't need to watch this. This is depressing. This is real. I don't need to watch it. I don't find this entertaining. <laughs> and it was just it's a good example. <laughs> but some people feel like that's important and they feel really rejuvenated. My sister's one of those. I asked like, what audiobooks do you listen to? And she's like, I like autobiographies and anything to do with World War II. Yeah, I think there's a place for it. I think yeah. that it's fine for people to enjoy it. I, it's just not for me. Yeah. And same when, it, when my sister was talking about that, I was like, uh-huh. I only listen to things um, with vampires and werewolves and witches. Like, that's the majority. It's autobiographies of comedians and then, like, fantasy and paranormal books. That's all I listen to. <laughs> because it's that idea of, like, I know what happens in the daily. I want something extra. So... So now we're going to talk about storylines that are popular in these types of genres. Paranormal, supernatural, fantasy genres. <laughs> you go first. So one of the first ones that came to mind for us particularly is what we call Freaky Friday. And that's where they just have a Friday and it's freaky. <laughs> no, what happens there, if you've ever seen the movie Freaky Friday, is that it's like a a swap between two people. You get to live out their life because some, by some magical or even scientific means, their minds get swapped and you're in their body and now you have to exist and do the things that they were going to do in their life. And then, you know, discoveries are made and you get mm -hmm. revelations and you're like, oh, I thought my stuff was hard. I didn't understand you. And all that deep stuff happens. But it's Freaky Friday for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, obviously we've seen the movie Freaky Friday and then there's like other versions of that storyline. But we see it a lot in television writing, especially yeah. for shows that are, are magical. And my favorite type of Freaky Friday is when it's more than just two people. It's a whole mix yeah, of people. Everyone gets switched with someone else. Yeah. Oh, like in um, uh, Jumanji, the second one. Oh, yeah. That's a really, that's a, that's that's my favorite kind of Freaky Friday where they, they all are getting switched up and they all are jumping and then you get to see those actors act like different characters. Oh my God, it's perfect. I love it. And this kind of thing has happened in shows like star trek i know i've seen uh, supernatural it's happened in that mm -hmm. show before charmed charm both of them <laughs> mm -hmm. uh it even happens a little bit sometimes in shows that aren't focused around paranormal supernatural things it's kind of like a almost a a dream a dream mm -hmm. that they were that person and then they're like oh yeah, that's popular. wake up i understand them better yeah but yeah there's a really good episode in lost girl where they, they all get like switched around. It's, yeah. So there's lots of examples you can go into that. I like that. Okay. Another type that we've seen, and this isn't maybe not storyline, but a thread for a show is creature of the week. So there's a new threat in every episode. You see it a lot 
or not maybe every episode, but there's usually a new threat. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's not just vampires that she fights. There's all these different types of things that happen. And now we have the show Legacies on the CW where they do such a good job. Things are just coming all the time. It was also on Teen Wolf, the television series. You see it a lot in more like episodic type of writing. And I think it's great because it gives you so many different opportunities to tell different types of stories. So another great one is what I typically refer to as a Groundhog Day scenario because I'm referring to the movie Groundhog's Day with Bill Murray where he continues to repeat the same day over and over again and he gets reset on the day if he dies and that's usually what happens or he'll go sleep that night and he'll wake up and it'll be the morning that he just did and so this is just that time loop one that I really like a lot. There's a lot of great movies that do it. Groundhog's Day, obviously, is the, is one of the great ones. And they always refer to it as Groundhog Day because that's, that's how well that movie did. Yeah. And it was one of the first ones. And so usually when you're trying to explain that story, you say, oh, like Groundhog Day. Yeah, because yeah. they do it so well and <laughs> yeah. it's so fun. And uh, Edge of Tomorrow is one of my most favorite movies it's also referred to as lived i repeat that's with tom cruise emily blunt where he does the same thing he's repeating the same day if he dies he has to repeat there's there's all these scientific reasons for why it's happening to him of course and battling aliens but that same thing of how do i get through my day what new discoveries do i need to make and even in just this one day what are all the many possibilities that lay ahead for me is just a really cool story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that one with Andy Samberg? Palm Springs. Palm Springs. That one was super fun. And one of my new favorites is Happy Death Day. There's oh, Happy Death Day. Great one. Yeah. And Happy Death Day 2. I like the first one better. Yeah, the first one's definitely better. First one's super, super fun. It's like a horror version and it's horror comedy. <laughs> my favorite kind. <laughs> We're going to watch that on my birthday. I'm excited. <laughs> Okay, and this is close to Groundhog Day, but another movie that was made made this theme popular for an alternate timeline is It's a Wonderful Life. So he wakes up and his whole world is different. What he knew is completely gone. And that is a really fun type of storyline, which they can do in non-paranormal type shows. Usually it's some kind of a dream, but it's that idea that here's an alternate version of my life. Yeah, alternate reality of what what if this mm-hmm. thing had happened and therefore changed so many other things. And usually some sort of crucial moment in your life had gone differently for you. And, and therefore, these other things have worked out. Tons of movies have done that. And yeah. Yeah, there's like The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. <sighs> I can't believe I can't oh, think of a, any else. No, but... it's a baseball one. So Mr. Destiny is another one that has James Belushi in it and he it's it's very much like a it's a wonderful life type of storyline where he did not do well in his baseball career but then going back I can't remember how it happened maybe he made some sort of wish that what if he did do well in his baseball career and he did that instead and So he gets to live out that alternate reality and then, you know, of course, discovers that his other life was so much more fulfilling. Yeah. There's always that 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 idea idea to it. 
But it, when it comes to time travel, this storyline can be the, similar to so like Back to the Future. When he does go back to the future, everything's different. And Biff is in charge of everything. Right. That's the second one where that happens. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. In the first one, when he goes, he back, goes back, Biff is nice, nice and clean in his car. Yeah. But then the truck when he gets a hold of the sports almanac or whatever. Right. Yeah. Things go differently. Yep. Okay. And then this is one that Chris, I feel like has a better understanding of, but a mindscape where you're entering into someone's mind. So examples like the cell, which I've never seen. Right. And you told me it would scare me too much. Yeah. It's pretty scary. (laughs) And it's that kind of scary that gets to you more. I know. Mm -hmm. Or it's just like, oh, this is. This is getting in your head a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So you watch out. <laughs> but explain it like how. So in that one, J-Lo is this sort of psychologist and they she's with this group that have discovered a way to sort of go into a person's mind and in order to help them give them therapy is what is happening because they're unable to speak. In particular, there's this boy who doesn't speak. He's kind of, I believe he's at at such an maybe autistic level that he's not able to communicate well or something else is going on wrong with him. I can't, it's been a while since I've seen it, but Mm -hmm. then eventually it turns into that this serial killer who goes into a coma they need to get into his head in order to find out where he's keeping a girl he had just kidnapped and that he put into a chamber and slowly kills oh, a cell. Yeah, that would bother me. And so they're using this process that she's good at. And uh, Vince Vaughn is an FBI guy who's trying to help her out. And yeah, just going through that process. And the serial killer is that guy from the Buffalo Law, Bill or- Law and Order Criminal Intent. Oh, not Buffalo mind. Bill. Never mind. I was wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't seen it. I should. He was also the kingpin and Punisher. Oh yeah, name. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know his name. Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh yeah, he was in um, Jurassic World too. Yeah. Or as so, well. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio is actually the serial killer that they have to get into the mind of, and so yeah, it's this mindscape. It's this place that he's created. And all these things are possible because he's making these things up in his head. So it's like they're in a serial killer's head. And that's what's crazy about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the the mindscape type thing. I've seen it again on Star Trek. Star Trek does all of these. And Supernatural where it's not, they're not playing in the real oh, world. Yes. They're going into someone's head. So, uh-huh. And so they have really to... it's this world that's in their head. It's it's what they've created in their so minds. So you don't know the rules and everything. Right. And usually mm-hmm. they're trying to bring them out of it is oftentimes the story that's being told is, is get them out yeah. of it or get in there in order to figure out something from them secretly. Inception does this yes these mindscapes yeah 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 in order they're trying to plant the seed of a thought so they're actually going into this person's brain and it's such a fun storyline i've seen it i've seen it on lost girl 
I've seen it on Xena, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like Xena goes into Gabrielle's mind. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun storyline. And it's super similar to Chris was saying, like, I think it's the same thing. But there's also the idea of a vision quest where you're going into your own mind, but there's other other things that have joined you, spiritual guides. And so they're taking you on this journey. And so you're not there for someone else, you're there for yourself, but still. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't navigate because you don't know what's coming. Because right. it's this, the world of your mind that you've created. So mm-hmm. there's like Buffy meets the first Slayer. And she's like, death is your gift. She's like, I don't understand. And <laughs> there's there's also really, really good examples of that kind of storyline too. Okay. And so now we're going to talk about the transformation type of storyline and there's two basically one is it's a force transformation example you're bit by a werewolf you're bit by a vampire you turn into a werewolf or a vampire or a zombie or whatever and then all the things that you have to go through to now become this new being and i mean so many different examples of that and then there's the other type which is a coming of age transformation you were always this thing and now that you're a certain age, you're now becoming this thing. Because didn't you say in Teen Wolf, the movie, it was like a hereditary thing? Yeah. His dad was a werewolf. And so at once he was going through puberty, he finished his transformation into a werewolf. And so his dad was trying to explain that to him and everything. So it wasn't he was always going to be that. He mm-hmm. didn't get bit like he does in the show. In the show, yeah. He was just born a werewolf like his dad is and and just dealing with what that means for him and then of course you're a wizard harry (laughs) right and a lot of it oftentimes these happen in this coming of age thing which is not an accident because it's this like i'm going through puberty what are these crazy changes that are happening to me and then we're just trying to accentuate that story by saying that oh it's because you're a werewolf it's because you're a wizard it's because you're a vampire that now you're at this you know this crucible this point that's happening and these changes are happening so as to relate to the young adult audience that this is focused around (laughs) yeah yeah. another good thing that i've seen when it comes to witch stories is that they're spellbound until they're adults We've seen that in A Discovery of Witches and Charmed. They don't find out that they're witches until they're like in their early 20s. Right. And that is a really fun way because it's, oh, your parents wanted you to have this normal life until you were ready. Right. This new amazing discovery. Otherwise, you probably would have had a pretty good grip on it by now. And you'd be managing <laughs> so it. So okay. true. Right. But now yeah. it's like all these different challenges. Just... <laughs> um, similar to the body swap, the next storyline is Possession. But this, instead of being switched with someone, it's just something, demon, angel, bad spirit, good spirit, whatever, comes into your body. I don't even want to list all those because you can think of them. There's a lot. <laughs> now, this is, I, I don't really know how to explain this, but I always find it and it bothers me in supernatural stories. Anytime there's a ritual where you have to have blood involved, so many examples, in Buffy, in Supernatural, even in Nancy Drew, in Charmed. Why? Think about it. Think about those scenes. Where do they cut themselves, Chris? On their hand. Why? On the palm of their, <laughs> on the palm of their very useful hands. Why do they do that? Just slicing right, right across in the, middle. the 
the middle of it, nice and deep and all the way across. You could cut yourself in so many other places. Exactly. In order to give a few drops of blood like, to a spell. Your Why arm, are you doing that? Your leg, your ankle. Anywhere except your kneaded hands. And you, if you're going to cut on your hand, it's like the worst place to get a cut because it's always moving. Plus, why are you going that deep? Yeah, it's always super deep. And then what they do, they ball up their fist and then they squeeze the blood over whatever yeah, altar. I know maybe, I, maybe <laughs> a needle isn't readily available, but somebody grab a needle and just draw a little bit of blood out. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of... <sighs> Yeah. Like this huge cut where you uh, need stitches. Let me find stitches. the biggest knife I can. <laughs> Slice my palm up. Jam it into my hand. God, it hurts. It's like every single time. I just, I have this dream in my head. So where, that's a storyline right there. Yeah, I know it's not a storyline, but it's an example. I just, no, like, I, I, mean, I had to it. bring up. Because it, it just, it's a trope. It's like they always cut their hand. I just have this vision of writing this kind of like paranormal comedy. Uh-huh horror movie and in it would be like oh we need a blood exchange and then someone goes for their hand and another character says why your hand (laughs) just do something smart like your arm or something and be ready with a bandage i don't know i just have that (laughs) idea premonition so like a premonition usually i find these like a character that gets premonitions or something they can either be really good or not helpful like I don't know, That's So Raven is a really good example of how she gets these little premonitions of the future. Right. But sometimes they change. And so she's always trying to change them. And don't they always just come true no matter what? I don't know. I didn't see a whole lot of That's So Raven. <sighs> it's been so I long. I understand what happened in it. But, but that's a yeah, good example. But people getting premonitions or even just, I mean, that's the Final Destination movies right there. Yeah. Yeah. Is them having this premonition of the deaths. And then trying to avoid that and then you trying to escape this fate that's ahead of you. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, the char- there's a character on a new show called The Nevers, which I highly recommend to HBO viewers. Right. Of how she gets these premonitions, but she doesn't know when they're going to happen. And she knows that she can't change them. And Chris was saying the other night, he's like, her gift is useless. Utterly useless. <laughs> Good thing you know something that you can't remotely change. Yeah, yeah. It is a little That's like, annoying. oh, I'm going to get hit by a car. And then you just go, oh, call. Well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely going to happen. And there's, yeah. So sometimes I like that type of storyline when you can change it. Like Charmed, she can usually change it in both versions. The ones that get that psychic inclination of like what's going to happen. So I like the premonition storyline when you can change it because then you have an upper hand. Because if you don't have an upper hand, then you're just like, well, dang it. I can't do a damn thing. Okay. And this is kind of something that we see is when someone becomes aware of the supernatural and they have to now deal with the fact that their world has changed. It's world shattering news. Harry, you're a wizard. Wizards exist? What? Like it's this whole thing. They don't even have to be part of it either so much That's like true. what we're saying with the, the the transformation or the bite that you're becoming you're a werewolf and you are this thing now it's that that this is different because we're now saying that this person becomes aware that these uh, insane things exist and they have to just manage their life now with that knowledge that this mm-hmm. i mean you take any 
Doctor Who assistant right. that he brings along uh-huh. and his partner and then going like well take a look at this world and that's why he brings the assistant along because doctor who's used to all this stuff we don't necessarily care about doctor who discovering these new things there is some fun in that but that's why that show is interesting because the assistant because an assistant comes You're along so right and it's about them managing this whole new world of possibilities that a he's showing to them of all of these crazy new things and them have this world shattering idea Mm -hmm. of what's going on here and them having to manage that. It's also, you can see this a lot when it's say a haunted house storyline and you know, usually there's this struggle of, no, it can't be real. I'm going to prove that it's not real. There's that dumb character that's like, see, no ghost is going to get me. And then and then they're like drug off off screen. And <laughs> I do think that the way you write that discovery is going to make or break the movie. We've talked about before how, let's say, like a supernatural threat came to us and we had to therefore acknowledge that it was real. Like the black eyed kids is something that I've talked uh-huh. to you about. And you're like, I wouldn't be scared about it. I'd be like, okay, well, how do we get rid of them? Let's look at, let's look at what all right. the scholars yeah. have said. If it's just laid out in front of you and you just, you're just like absolutely denying it or just like, oh yeah, it's a ghost. I saw it. So then you mm-hmm. go, okay, let's do a salt circle. Let's do all the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's do the ritual. Let's do the things that you need to do. Instead of just yeah. saying, no, that's not no, happening. No uh, I know it's holding me upside down, but uh, can't be real. But I imagined it. Yeah. And then the last kind of storyline is the idea of a powerful magical object. And that the story is built around that. You've seen in the movie The Mask with Jim Carrey, Loki's mask. He puts it on. He transforms into this cartoon-like creature. And then Infinity Gauntlet and the stones. What are the stones called? The Infinity Stones. (laughs) Makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. That's why it's the Infinity Gauntlet. (laughs) It gives that, that person a bunch of power. Right. These things that also sort of change your perception on reality because it has this whole another level of possibilities that are usually supernatural, paranormal, Mm -hmm. beyond the explanation of science of the laws of nature. Uh, The Holy Grail is another one we talked about, the fifth element with the stones and actually, you know, the fifth element herself. Uh, The Sorcerer's Stone in Harry Potter. I mean, Harry Potter just continues to throw those types of things at us. This, this, the Powerful elderberry that. wand and elderberry the elder wand, elder wand. <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> elderberries are real it's like a thing you can they drink are. It yeah stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah it's it's, it's a great way of telling a story is powerful magical object whoever possesses it some sort of crazy thing different thing will mm-hmm. change for them i mean just the genie's lamp yeah a great mm-hmm. example of that i think there's something called the skull of truth and it's supposed to be the skull that like shakespeare uses it's yorick it's that and whoever is in the same room as the skull they they have to tell the truth so that would be kind of handy i do think so those are some of our favorite storylines within this genre let us it, know if we missed anything there's plenty more i'm sure we missed some there's all sorts of different ways i mean watch 
every single Star Trek episode and they do all <laughs> sorts of these different things. Yeah. 15 years of Supernatural wasn't mm-hmm. just by chance that they only covered the storylines that we <laughs> mentioned. I know. Yeah. So there's others. Yeah, in there. They're out there and they're awesome. And each one gets to be used again and again and again and thrown little different elements at it. And it, it it's one of the reasons why supernatural paranormal things are so much fun because it does not get old. Yeah. It doesn't get old. Well, and you have so many options to play with. You right. can And you can mix these things around. You can have like, oh, a Freaky Friday within, oh, we also have to get this powerful object. And this powerful object is what made us do the Freaky Friday thing in the first place. Oh, it's so great. It's just so many versions. And like we said, they transcend just being in, even in their own story, Mm -hmm. worlds of fantasy, science fiction, uh, supernatural, paranormal, and even the... A drama series will touch on some of these storylines that are primarily focused in these types of world. And then they'll sort of explain them away of why Uh this, you know, the real world is still functioning here. This was a dream, dream. but it's uh, they're all incredibly awesome ways to tell stories. And that's Mm -hmm. why I I just, yeah, I love these. Eat it up. Yeah. Same. All right. And as we end, uh, Make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Folklore Friday Podcast and message me. Message me if there's any storylines that you like or if there's a topic you want us to discuss because I am looking for feedback. And as I end, I wanted to tell Chris and you, my listeners, so I was listening to this podcast. If you like my podcast, then you're really going to like it's called Stories with Sapphire. Oh, do you ever just look at someone and their accomplishments and you go, I want, I want those accomplishments. She's living my best life. (laughs) Like that's this chick for me. And so I was listening to this episode where she tells these uh, scary stories. Sometimes people write in, sometimes she narrates, sometimes they, they narrate, narrate. I can talk. So I listen to her podcast a lot when I'm working because I do sign work. And I usually find it really soothing, but on my way home to you, love of my life, Chris, I was listening to this one and it made me gasp out loud because I was like, oh, I don't like that at all. (laughs) It was this like family and they kept being haunted by this ghost of someone that looked a lot like the daughter and kept saying, mommy, mommy. And it sounded you know, pretty general. And they said, please leave. And as most ghost stories do, the ones that end well, it left. But then you find out that it was like the aunt's baby. She had a miscarriage and they said, oh, and the aunt said, we couldn't bury it in him. I think it was her, her, her son couldn't bury him in the cemetery. So we buried him in the house. And out loud, I went, what? And she said, she put the remnants in this big glass jar with alcohol and put it under the floorboards of the couch, like right underneath the couch. It seems like work to just do that. That's seems like it would have been easier to, to bury, bury and let it yeah. just disintegrate and become part of the earth. That yeah, sounds very natural. That's going through the work to do what they did. It's like preserving it in like a freaky pickle jar. Yeah. That's the most disturbing thing I've ever heard. I don't know if it was like a cultural thing. And if it is, I'm sorry. But they didn't say it was. And I would be so disturbed if I found found that. Sure. 
in a house. Anyone would. It was just like, oh, it was very disturbing to me. So check out that. Yeah, check that out. <laughs> check that out. It's very good. Also, check out Guide to the Unknown. I've been listening to that one a lot. Super like it. Props to them. But also listen to all of the other previous episodes for Folklore Friday. Oh, yes, please. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining me, Chris. Oh, thank you for having me, Megan. (laughs) And we'll see you next time on Folklore Friday. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, my little strangelings. I hope you join us next time. Scare you later.